auto workers on strike, and a double dose of Joni Ernst, who gets a tax cut fact check and sticks it to Iowans on drug prices. What a week. I'm Matt Sinovic, the executive director of Progress Iowa. And I'm Lauren McElmeal, the digital director for Progress Iowa. Welcome to What a Week, where we break down the week's top stories. This week, we're joined by a number of great guests, so we'll just jump right into it. So we're now joined at the UAW Hall by UAW retiree Wayne Hungerford, who uh, is going to tell us about the UAW strike and what the what his history is in the organization and we're so lucky to have you here today and especially during this kind of fraught time with the UAW strike happening so I mean do you hear a lot from from fellow UAW members about what's going on and their thoughts on the strike uh, a lot of it is on social media uh, unfortunately you know some of the particular new- negotiation items probably shouldn't be publicized as much as they should be because when you're in collective bargaining uh, of course you can't negotiate through the media you have to negotiate across the table with the employer and the bargaining agent so sometimes it can be difficult with information that gets you know misconstrued and stuff so um, nothing is final until the contract's agreed to so there's several issues I know that the UAW and General Motors are grappling with Uh, one of the things I will just share with you that uh, for the first time in the history of the General Motors Corporation, which has been around for over 100 years, they make more cars outside the United States than inside the United States. That's become a particular problem, uh, not only for the, us workers, but the people we represent. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm not wholly familiar with everything, with all the little details of what's happening with the UAW strike, but would you say that that is probably the biggest factor that these workers are sort of pushing back against is the the outsourcing and shipping away of these jobs. Yes. In, in recent years, if you look in the news, uh, I think currently uh, there's four General Motors plants that have been idled or closed. Lordstown, Ohio was the first one. It was closed actually six months ago, but it's not officially supposed to be closed till the end of this contract period. Um, so uh, those cars are still being produced by General Motors in Mexico, China, and other places around the world, Brazil. And uh, the erosion is on the American worker and the UAW member, and we want job security, want more product brought into the United States uh, because product is basically job security in the auto industry. If you don't have the next product at your plant, your your job security is in jeopardy. How are you perceiving this strike and what has at least seeped out into the public about the negotiations that are going on? Yeah, strikes are always difficult, and I always tell people strikes are not uh, a winning thing. It's a failure to two parties to be able to make an agreement, which is uh, strikes are not, you know, no one wins in a strike. But they ultimately sometimes uh, have to be occur because it's the only uh, weapon, or I shouldn't say weapon, or option that a worker has to withhold their benefits or services to a company to negotiate um, and accomplish the things they want to do at the bargaining table. There's several issues at General Motors. I'm not an expert, but I need sense of the imagination, but all the auto companies use a lot of temporary workers. These temporary workers get a wage, but they get no benefits, no seniority, no pension or 401. So uh, that is another uh, concern we have in the UAW is the amount of temporary workers that these companies employ rather than hiring permanent employees. And I know that's, an, I know that's one of the issues at the yeah. table. What sort of things are you seeing as far as like solidarity actions uh, from uh, unions writ large for the United Auto Workers Union? 
Right. Uh, as, as you may or may not know, uh, the United Auto Workers is uh, a union that's affiliated with the American Federation AFL-CIO. Um, we stand in solidarity with other unions when they have uh, challenges. And uh, I know the Teamsters and you know, Machinists and many of the other communication and even public employee unions have come and supported the UAW because they know, even on the picket lines, to show their support because they understand how important it is to get justice at the bargaining table. And it is, it's it's the... Uh, the refrain is absolutely true. An injury, what is an injury against one is injury against all, um, or something to that effect. No, you're right and um, but what to someone who to people who are maybe not a union member, what are there things that that we can do that people can do to be supportive, um, or actions that we can take? I mean, whether it's during this strike or just ongoing. I mean, I mean, we do a lot of uh, we share a lot of information about about how important it is for working and middle-class families to have a, a seat at the table. Um, uh, and and we a lot of the actions that we take during legislative session and during election time are related to that. So, I mean, it's clear that we know it's important to contact your legislator, vote for, for, for elected officials that support unions. Um, but but any, are there other things that, that you would advise people to do if they want to be supportive? Well, you know, um, most of our economy, I don't know, the numbers, probably 70% of our economy is based on consumer uh, consumption. So uh, I think it's important that people, when they shop, whether they're buying clothes, cars, or anything else, appliances, to try to buy products made in the United States. Uh, it'd be great if they're union-made, mm-hmm. but at the minimum, they should be American-made. Uh, that puts pressure on corporations to build more product and manufacturing in the United States rather than to go offshore and... Uh, build product elsewhere. And uh, that helps the U.S. economy because the people who work here, uh, consume here, support the school and tax systems and everything else we have. So there's been increasing, uh, I don't know if desire is necessarily the right word, but increasing popularity of unions among millennials and Generation Z and young people at large, um, what would your advice be to someone who is a young person either looking to start a union or is looking into joining a union or is just trying to uh, support workers' rights in general? Since the 40s, you know, the union density has declined in this country, and a lot of it is in um, relationship to how corporations operate um, and some of the decisions that are made on how they produce and not produce things. Uh, so with that being said, a lot of the, uh, pension programs, a lot of things that the unions built back in the fifties and sixties has uh, kind of disappeared. You see 401s and investment plans for uh, basically these workers or employees are based, uh, have to re- uh, take care of their own retirement. And, um, it's kind of like every person for themselves. And so it's, it can be very difficult in the workplace today. So, a young person or any young worker or anybody that would like to be interested in a union should do the research, find out what the strength of a union is. The most important thing is voice and vote in the workplace. And so you have a grievance procedure if you have a contract. So if there's something that needs to be challenged, it can be challenged. As there's a process. You can collectively bargain a contract. So that means wage, working conditions, uh, retirement and health care, anything you can that's important to you, you can address. So that's why unions are a mechanism for workers to come together 
as a unit and progressively benefit themselves. We really can't thank you enough for being with us today and, and talking through some of these issues. Um, is there is there anything else that you want to that you want to add about the strike or just the importance of of labor unions? Uh, just noting that we are. Um, if people visit thankaunion.com, it is still September, which we're recognizing as Labor Union Appreciation Month. There is a Labor Day, but we don't know why the hell there isn't a whole month uh, supporting labor unions. So we're doing our level best to make it to make it that. Um, we have quick update on that. We there have been re- uh, proclamations passed in by the Sioux City Council. Um, the Cedar Rapids City Council, Lynn County Board of Supervisors, Polk County Board of Supervisors, and there are others being considered all over the state at the local level uh, declaring September to be Labor Union Appreciation Month. So thank you to all of those elected officials. But, but uh, Wayne, I wanted to just throw that out to you and see if there's anything else that you wanted to talk about as far as generally supporting unions. Well, you know, um, I was, I've been a union activist uh, since 1969 been a UAW member, uh, retired, but I'm still a UAW retiree, I'm very active as a retiree. And it's important that we understand that the unions built the middle class in this country. And they took jobs that were probably substandard jobs, uh, very dangerous, maybe unsafe, uh, and made them into good jobs. And the people could uh, send their children to college, buy homes, and build the uh, middle class that we have today. So. It's no coincidence, as you see our middle class uh, declining, you also see the decline of organized labor. And it goes hand in hand, and those at the top, the 1%, um, do not want unions to flourish. Joining us now is Sue Dinsdale, the executive director of the Iowa Citizen Action Network, and they're also leading Tax March Iowa here in our state. We're just thrilled to have you on, on the show, Sue. Thank you, Matt. I'd like to talk today about Senator Joni Ernst. And we love talking about Joni. We, we hate slash love talking about Joni Ernst, so you're in good company. Yeah. Okay. And her um, complete and total love of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, or as we like to call it, Trump tax. Last spring, we delivered a petition to Senator Ernst from hundreds of Iowans telling her what, how we thought our tax money should be spent and that we should repeal the Trump tax. And I received a letter back from her with, um, it's definitely not in line with what everyday Iowans are living. So rather than, we think that rather than uh, supporting this tr- failed Trump tax and focusing on the wealthy and campaign donors, She needs to realize that we need a tax system where everyone plays their fair share in order to thrive. I'm looking at the letter here, and I mean, the stuff that she put in here, we had to correct. If I wish you could see the letter (laughs) on this podcast, because it is uh, mostly red markings where we've had to go in and change the things that um, she has put in here. She has something in here about um, making the United States more competitive with developed countries rather than rewarding the bad behavior of corporations who outsource their jobs. Um, she talks about the Tax Cuts and Job Act delivering big results in Iowa. Unfortunately, those big results are for the uber wealthy. I could go on and on about this letter. 
Yeah, and, and it's it is we took I just took a picture of it, so we'll post that in the uh, on the on the site for for this episode. But um, but to let you all know who are listening right now, I mean, this is it is all read. I mean, it's all edited, all fact checked, and and we know that Senator Ernst uh, plays like fast and loose with the facts, and so um, I mean, this is just a, a, clearly another example of that. But you also uh, gave this to her, right? You you represented her with her own letter, and and what was her what was their reaction to that, and how did what was that like? What do you think their reaction was? <laughs> um, yeah, probably not great. Yeah, kind of a thanks for coming in, and thanks for this, and, and I mean I'll be honest, the Trump tax really has been a smashing success. If you're looking at U.S. corporations that have been smashing workers for the last four decades. Yeah. You know, the um, estimated average corporate tax rate has dropped from 23% to 12%. And part of this was supposed to be that the workers were supposed to see a surge in their wages. I mean, where's my $4,000? That wasn't, yeah. None of, that's, none of that has trickled down to you? No, no. Or to anyone that I've talked to. Um, what I have seen is that companies are giving employees bonuses so they might get a, a one-off, you know, anywhere from 500 bucks to maybe a few thousand dollars. But that one-off payment is not the same as... A sustained wage increase. And benefits. And, uh, you know, the, the top 1% have never had it better. They, um, I think what people don't really think about a lot, too, is that the Trump taxes had a huge impact on our state budget and our citizens, you know, the wealthiest Iowans averaged a cut of $35,000, where the poorest citizens, those earning less than $25,000 a year, got 80 bucks. Now, how does that help? You know, um, $80 is great, but 35000 35000 And so what's really happened is what was supposed to be a big jump start for the economy has really not helped people. Um, it, it's really just more drastically increased inequality. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were there for part of that event where you were delivering the letter and and you know, we work together on a regular basis and love that. But what can, what can people do if they're listening to this and they're fed up about these tax giveaways uh, that Ernst is backing um, and Trump is pushing or has continued to push, what what can people do to get involved? What would you recommend they do to, to help put a stop to this? Well, I think they need to contact their elected representatives, especially Joni Ernst, because like I said, she's the, the big lover of the Trump tax. Um, to talk to her about, she was supposed to go to D.C. to make him squeal. And instead, she's uh, she's just kind of gone along with everything that the administration is doing. They can certainly sign up with Tax March Iowa, and they can do that by going to our website at iowacan.org, and there's a tab to click where they can um, tell it, give us their information and you know, tell their story. We would love to hear from Iowans about how the Trump taxes affected them, good or bad. I mean, it would be um, really interesting to see what people have seen with this great well we'll post those we'll, we'll share those links too um and and would encourage everyone to sign up but uh i just can't thank you enough for joining us today thanks for having me thank you sue
So Nancy Pelosi has released her drug pricing bill this week, and we are joined now by Emily Holly of Iowa Voices to talk more about that. Thank you for being here, Emily. Thanks so much for having me today. Um, drug pricing is at the forefront of so many Iowans' minds. In fact, most people taking prescription drugs say they can afford their treatment, but about one in four have a difficult time affording their medications. And as someone with several healthcare issues, pre-existing conditions, um, I myself have trouble affording my medications. In fact, I'm spending hundreds of dollars a month on medications that I need to manage my conditions so that I can live a, a healthy and productive life. And something that we know for a fact is that Joan Ears continues to support increases in our healthcare costs, especially on older Iowans and people with pre-existing conditions. And that includes drug pricing. And since it's coming down both in the House and the Senate, um, something that we want Senator Ernst to do is to support legislation that is truly going to lower the cost of prescription drugs, including Medicare negotiations. And so that is something that we are calling on her to do. Could you explain a little more on what Medicare negotiations are for people who may not be as familiar with it? Medicare negotiations would allow the government to negotiate the prices of certain drugs with the actual drug companies. And that is the gold standard for making prescription medications more affordable. This issue has very much been characterized by the the high and often prohibitively high um, cost of insulin, which has been a big problem, especially with people who age out of their parents' plans. Um, but what are maybe some other, other things that uh, the media at large hasn't really touched on beyond the insulin crisis? Sure. So uh, something that um, that we found interesting is that Senator Ernst has voted multiple times to allow insurance companies to increase costs on consumers who are struggling to afford the prescription drugs. And in addition to that, she's also taken $1.8 million from special interests, and that includes the drug and healthcare industries. And so I think the, the overall question is, she claims that she is concerned about prescription drug prices. She claims that she's fighting for Iowans to lower these costs. However, she's also in the pocket of these pharmaceutical companies, and she's voting for bills that are actually going to increase costs. With Ernst's uh, make em squeal persona that she likes to put out there, um, have any of these votes uh, broken through? Or do, as you're talking with people, what are they? How how are they perceiving her and her votes and her record? People are really disappointed. People are really concerned about the future of their health care, and uh, we've been we've had advocates all over the state asking her questions at her town halls during the. August recess. And it's something that um, we've seen folks are truly concerned about. We have people standing up to asking about pre-existing condition coverage. We've seen folks talking about not being able to not only afford their insulin, but other medications. Um, I have a friend who has Crohn's disease, for example, and he's on a biologic medication that is incredibly expensive because um, it requires an IV every you know four to six weeks. And he's actually delayed his treatment. So instead of doing it every four weeks, he's pushed it out a little bit farther so that he can better afford the out-of-pocket costs for that medication. And uh, as a result, it's not 
helping him as much as it could and he's not living the quality of life that he should be living that everyone is entitled to live even if you are sick and having um, a difficult time managing your health you should be able to do that in an affordable and efficient manner and so that's why we are calling on senator ernst to stop backing these plans that are going to increase our health care costs and, and that includes prescription drug prices I think that a lot of the time these politicians, Joni Ernst especially, talk about how it's this is the way we've always done it and the reason that drug prices are so high is because of usually they'll say the Affordable Care Act, even though that's generally not the culprit behind it. It's been more the pharmaceutical companies that are donating to these politicians that are getting to run rampant with how they price them. And I think this needs to be a much bigger issue than I think it's being portrayed as, especially since I think we all know everyone or we all have taken prescription drugs at some point because we all get sick. If there's anyone out there who hasn't get, gotten sick, please write in because I'd love to know what your immune system is made of. But I, th I think this is something that a lot of people are worried about and that it's just now breaking through to kind of the federal level where they are noticing, like, this is a big deal. And, I mean, I haven't read the House bill or the Senate bill, but I'm sure there are disappointing things as well as exciting things in them. But I think we generally probably need an overhaul as to what we are expecting of our health care and that it shouldn't be so hard to keep people alive. It should not be, which is a crazy thing that has become controversial. It should not be expensive to live your life. It should not be expensive to manage your pain so that you can get up, go to work, and you know pay your bills, take care of your kids. And the, the fact that we have gotten so far away from what other countries consider normal. I remember reading an article where they talked to, I think it was a Canadian woman who said that, why would we make it harder for people to get insulin when it is what people rely on to live? And I mean, that's not a policy idea, but I mean, letting people live seems like a good, uh, a, a good thing to get behind. Letting people live their lives to the fullest extent that they can so that they're not being constantly bogged down by these thousand dollar like prescription drug bills that are keeping them from doing things that would otherwise be so easy for someone without chronic pain without like depression anxiety things like that and now I'm just really mad at Joni Ernst for like going along with this <laughs> I don't know what my point was, but <laughs> now I'm just mad. <laughs> That's all right. Channel that. Turn that into action. That's what we do here. Well, thank you so much for being here and speaking with us, Emily. And it's a great to be have a partner in this fight with Iowa Voices. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. For more information, visit potluck.fm or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week.